this is the door through which you must pass. If you can do this, then the rest is almost downhill. Hello, and welcome to the Arts of Language podcast with Andrew Poudois, founder of the Institute for Excellence in Writing, or as many like to say, IEW. My name is Julie Walker, and I'm honored to serve Andrew and IEW as the Director of Marketing. Our goal is to equip teachers and teaching parents with methods and materials which will aid them in training their students to become confident and competent communicators and thinkers. Happy March to you, Andrew. March is our Unit 7 yes. month. And so, so we march forward yes. <laughs> into a new unit. Yes. I remember sitting in your workshop the very first time I heard about teaching writing structure and style. And I was just in awe of how much this process makes sense. And when we got to Unit 7 where it seems that that's where everybody else starts teaching writing, I knew how to tackle Unit 7 based on your teaching because of all that foundation that you had laid. So I think that's a really important point. It is so interesting over the years as, you know, I've been teaching it, you've been teaching it, we've we've all been getting better at mm -hmm. teaching it. Uh, more and more is it crystal clear that the units are brilliantly ordered, mm -hmm. not just because we solve the problem of I don't know what to write about, which a lot of people have when they you know, face a prompt or a, mm -hmm. an on-demand task or a journaling or any of that, but because of the development of the thinking skills, the organizational skills that are so uh, gradually but solidly mm -hmm. effectively built through units two, three, four, five, six, so that when we hit that unit seven, everyone kind of knows, okay, this is how you're going to do a paragraph and this is how you're going to ask yourself questions and that, that it's really rather than having to think of something in order to learn to write, mm -hmm. which is kind of the way most programs operate, right? you know, have an idea first. Mm -hmm. Then we'll figure out how you can write about that. Right. Uh, instead, learn how to think by writing. Right. And so we start with the dictated content and wean the student through, you know, these stages of story and reports and pictures and research mm -hmm. and those skills. And and so the students kind of are like, yeah, I know what to do now. I know mm -hmm. how to do this, and I have an idea, and I know what to do with this idea. Right, exactly. Yeah. So it is it is a delight to see. Yes, and to see the kids respond to this. They just, they just now, after months of writing, and sometimes it's a little arduous for them, sometimes it's not. But when they get to Unit 7 and they know what to do, to see their little faces just light up. They can't wait to get started. I remember sitting in your workshop, actually, most recently when we were recording the second edition oh, of Teaching Writing. You were listening very carefully oh my at goodness. that point. <laughs> yes, very carefully. But there was one thing you said that I loved so much that I put 
hidden on the inside flap of the teaching, writing, structure, and style box. So listeners, if you have that box still on your shelf somewhere, open it up and look at that inside flap. It says... I'm so embarrassed to say I have never looked at that and I don't know what it says. It's kind of a secret little place. Oh, and an Easter egg. Yes, yes, it's an Easter egg. And I was actually hiding it from you because I was kind of <laughs> taking it out of context. Uh-huh. But I love this quote and, and you said it while you were teaching Unit 7 to this group of teachers and parents. It was, this is the door through which the writer must pass. Mm. So now that the Easter egg has been revealed... What does that mean, and why in Unit 7 did you talk about that? Now, see, I thought you put it there because people have to open the box to get <laughs> into the course. So well, that is that's true. That's the door. So maybe there's a double meaning to it. But uh, I think one of the most enjoyable moments when I do teach that TWSS live mm-hmm. is, you know, I'm, I'm hitting Unit 7. I say, okay, here's how the whole model is, and... Uh, This is the kind of stuff you would do. But the best way to learn it is just jump in and do it. And then I solicit from the group uh, something to write about. And I usually say, you know, pick something that is insignificant, something small, something Mm -hmm. that you think might be hard to write about, to think of enough stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes people pick a huge subject like coffee. No, shrink (laughs) it down. You know, coffee filters. Okay, maybe. You know, and you usually end up with something along the lines of paper clips mm-hmm. or pocket lint. That mm-hmm. was what I had the last time I taught it. Was no pocket uh-huh. lint. Okay. And so I grab one of these things that's you know toothpicks, mm-hmm. some something, and I say, okay, now how many of you, if I said, mm-hmm. please take out some paper and write approximately five hundred words about pocket lint, mm-hmm. how many of you would find that? a bit daunting. And usually two-thirds or more of the hands go up Mm -hmm. because it does seem, well, what would you say about something so seemingly insignificant and small? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then we go just to step two in our whole process. So step one is you get a subject. Step two is you think of possible topics, things about aspects of this is, as we teach in the uh, the HSE course, the high school essay intensive, this is the thinking skill mm-hmm. of division. Mm-hmm. And it goes way back to Aristotle. I didn't come up with any of this <laughs> stuff. Um, but that idea of now, you've got this, this thing, pocket lint. Mm-hmm. So what are some things about pocket lint, aspects of, topics mm-hmm. pertaining to, elements of? And people, what do you think people would come up with? Pocket lint. See, I would rather you talk about cotton balls because that's what we did yeah. on the video, but that would be cheating. But pocket lint, you know, it, it was yeah. it's almost your most insignificant thing you could imagine, but Yeah. Well Well it gets under your fingernails. Okay, so how would you make a topic out of that? You'd oh. say well, problems. Okay, problems. Right. You can probably tell whether or not the garment has been laundered recently because there's pocket lint in the pockets oh. if it hadn't been laundered correctly, which is to turn the pockets out. Okay, of so course. that could be turned into avoiding pocket lint. Avoiding pocket mm-hmm. lint. Okay. How to solve the problem. Solving so. pocket mm-hmm. lint, yes. And I imagine that there could be some benefits to pocket lint. I don't I Well maybe not benefits, but um, perhaps some uses. What what could you do with pocket lint? 
<laughs> well, having a granddaughter now, I can imagine, you know, could we find some type of entertainment possibility with this podcast? Sure, yeah. Uh, You'd have to have a lot. <laughs> crafts. Um, mm. I actually learned a new one I never would have thought of mm-hmm. just in this last one. Fire starter. Fighters. Like if you're trapped out somewhere and you've got only wet leaves and stuff and one match and you've got pocket lint, (laughs) could save your life. What does pocket lint uh, symbolize to us? Hmm. You know, what? The um, dredges of society. Yeah. Or the the messiness of life Mm -hmm. in general that Mm -hmm. we just don't. Okay. So now Mm -hmm. we've listed three, four, five Mm -hmm. possible topics. Right, problems with uses of eliminating could probably go with types of pocket lint. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, if you had you know fifty people in the room, you'd get seven, eight, nine, ten things. Yep. Okay, so then that is the magical moment, and I say, okay, of those of you who thought that it could be challenging to write five hundred words about pocket lint, how many of you now feel? That's not going to be nearly as challenging as you first thought. Right. And everyone's hand goes up. And that's the point where I say, this is it. Mm -hmm. This is the door through which you must pass. If you can do this, then the rest is almost downhill. The process is very, very manageable, doable, Mm -hmm. achievable. If you can't get this far, Mm -hmm. you're kind of dead in the water. Right. Again and again, I have seen this with both students and adults. If you just say, you know, write about your dog, write about your home, write about kindness, write about stars, and Mm -hmm. you just pick some random thing, Mm -hmm. or you even give them a little more specific type of prompt, Mm -hmm. you know, a situational prompt, um, you know, compared to restaurants or something. Mm -hmm. Um, If you just start writing whatever's the first thing that comes into your head, mm-hmm. and you keep writing whatever happens to come next, you end up with something that's not organized mm-hmm. at best, irritatingly rambling, mm-hmm. redundant, <laughs> mm-hmm. and and thin right. in content. But if you say, okay, follow the program, follow mm-hmm. the system, step one, what's the subject? Step two, list the possible topics. Mm-hmm. Then, okay, we've got – if you've got at least three – you're good to go. If you got five or six or seven, all the better. And then you would choose the topics, the number of topics you need for the model, for mm-hmm. the target. And we go back to that length dictate structure and number of paragraphs. And then you run your litany of questions about each of those topics individually. And I've seen, you know, kids nine years old learn how to create an outline yep. by taking notes from their brain Mm -hmm. by asking themselves questions about these different aspects or -hmm. or something. Um, But if you can't get that list of topics, you're kind of stuck. My dog is a really cool dog and I really, really love my dog because he is awesome and he is really, really fun and he is the greatest dog in the world. The end. Mm -hmm. Right. And Mm -hmm. we've all all seen that. Right. Now, I know that in the TWSS, you – you do that exercise that you just described. Let's think of something, and then there, therein is the subject. That probably is not going to happen in a classroom, is it, where the kids just think of something that they're going to – the subject and then come up with the topics. Usually they're given a prompt or some type of well, story. Well, 
Yes, but a prompt usually has a large number of possible subjects. Oh, it's true. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if it is a kind of uh, situational or narrative prompt, mm -hmm. you know, you find yourself lost in a forest. Mm -hmm. Tell be, what happens. Be careful about coming up with these things off the top of your head. Yes. Because sometimes they turn into actual prompts that you do, <laughs> do in a class. <laughs> yes. Well, I was thinking of ones that I've read, you know, oh, particularly working with schools mm -hmm. or state standards that include writing prompts. Um, mm -hmm. One I remember quite well was from the uh, state of Alaska mm -hmm. many, many years ago. It was a third grade benchmark prompt. So every third grader in the state of Alaska wrote to this question, uh, think of something that has not yet been invented. A third grader. Tell what it does and why it might be helpful. Something <laughs> like that. And you just, you know, all these third graders is like scratching their head, you know, right. think of something that doesn't exist. You know, right. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, I'm sure that, you know, mm -hmm. some of them were able to come up with some crazy thing like, mm -hmm a machine that turns water into ice cream mm -hmm. or maybe they got that from some cartoon or movie right. or something they mm -hmm. get. So, you know, no matter what the prompt is, children are limited to the pieces of memory that they can extract and put together right. to come up with an idea. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen, you know, uh, write about, you know, your favorite place to eat. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's broad. It could be your own dining room. It could be, you know, Taco Bell, you know. <laughs> but even so, what do you say? You know, if you just say, I really love Taco Bell because it is an awesome restaurant and uh, I really love the tacos at Taco Bell because they are super awesome, you know, and you get this ramblingness. Now, now if you have the habit of thinking into the thing, seeing into the thing. Mm -hmm. Before you ever write a sentence, mm -hmm. what are some aspects, elements, things about this restaurant? Mm -hmm. And then you then you step back. And, and that's, that's the first step in analysis mm -hmm. is being able to break something into some components and look at them and then ask value questions. You right. know, what's good or bad, best, worst, problems, solutions, significance, impact. Right. So you started to describe the different steps of the Unit 7. So let's just continue that. Right. So step one was? Uh, come up with a subject. So subject. And that may be dictated kind of specifically, but usually there's kind of like a domain. Mm -hmm. So if someone said, write about a person mm -hmm. who's had a strong influence on you. That's very typical, by the way, uh, type of question for a uh, college application, oh, university right. application. Write about a person that has had a strong influence on you. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's the domain. Mm -hmm. Now you have to decide the person. That's the subject. I see, right. Then you would say, okay, in what ways, you know, did that person influence me? What are some things about that person? Aspects of our relationship. And those become the elements. topics. And those become the possible topics. Possible topics, right. So then you choose the number of topics based on how many paragraphs you need. Mm -hmm. uh, and this this is really part of, I would say, the most valuable stuff we can quickly and easily teach to a college-bound student. Because if you go off to you know a high school class or college class, very often they'll say write a certain number of words mm -hmm. 
essay contest, college application essay, number of words, write a certain number of pages. Mm -hmm. But that's not helpful in terms of knowing how many divisions you want, how many topics to have. And so being able to translate words into... Number of paragraphs. Paragraphs Mm -hmm. or pages into words into paragraphs. Right, right. Then the student can say, aha, if that's my target length, then I know how many topics I need. If your target length is one topic, then boom, pick one and go through the process. And then you can specifically talk about this aspect of that thing. Mm -hmm. If you want two, then you've got two topics. You make a division and have at least two things about. So if you wanted to write two paragraphs about a restaurant, you could write about the environment and the food. Mm -hmm. And those would be the two things. If you then wanted to write something longer, you would add a topic. And it's often when you get to the third topic that it kind of begs for a bit of embedded repetition. So Mm -hmm. we usually go to the five-paragraph model where you have the introduction. You will will state the three topics. You will put them in there somehow. Mm -hmm. And then you have a paragraph on each of those three. Mm -hmm. So then you could talk about the service at the restaurant, the environment, and the food, mm-hmm. right? Um, if you had a little information about the history, that would be great background information to okay. go in the introduction. Right. And then you could also kind of in the conclusion say, of all that I told you now, what's the most significant, most important, most relevant, most meaningful, most useful bit of information? And why is that significant? Right. And so that five-paragraph model, now what if you need something longer? Well, you can add some topics. Mm-hmm. You could tell four things about Mm-hmm. That restaurant or that mm-hmm. place or your dog or mm-hmm. the person or whatever. The pocket lint. <laughs> the pocket lint, yes. And if you wanted to go longer, you could actually probably go up to uh, writing maybe five topics, mm-hmm. get a seven-paragraph mm-hmm. uh, piece. So there's that flexibility between mm-hmm. one and seven paragraphs. Now, if you want to go over seven, the rules change a little bit. We introduce those in the Unit 8 models. Right. Uh, but the the person who's been through our program is generally aware that the the five paragraph unit seven is the same model. The my dog model is the same as the five paragraph unit eight, mm-hmm. the Champlain, and that's the starting place. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a continuity. Right. We start with unit seven. You can do one or two or five. If and you you get the information from your brain, you move into unit eight, now you start with five, you can have six or seven, and you're adding to what you think about uh, research that Mm -hmm. you're conducting so that your academic writing is supported. Right. So it's kind of a, you know, what would you say, a continuum Mm -hmm. uh, that, that you can start with. And, you know, when I teach unit seven to young children, the first assignment is generally one paragraph. Okay. So something you know something about and notes from the brain and you can now tell me. With a second or third assignment or with, say, slightly older, say, middle school age students, the first assignment would be two paragraphs. Okay. So you have your subject, you divide it into two parts, and now you write one paragraph about each half of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then, uh, you know, the second or third assignment down that line or the first assignment with older kids could be the five paragraphs Take your subject, get your three topics. And it's always kind of handy to have more than three, too, because you might think of something, 
think of another one, come up with another one, and have four, five, six options. Right. Then you can say, oh, of these five or six options, are any of them really similar and should actually be kind of rephrased into one topic? Or uh, which of those go best together? And that's actually step three in unit seven, which yeah. is choose choose a subject, mm-hmm. list possible topics. That's and then, step two. And, and then step, step three. three is choose your topics. According to the number you need and what's related. Right. What would make sense together. And the number you need is generally dictated by the teacher or by the writing prompt. Exactly. Yeah. Great. So and then what's step four? Well, step four would be to take notes from your mind, from your brain. You mean you still have to create a keyword outline? Yes. And <laughs> as you know, and many, many of our listeners know, we begin mm-hmm. with unit one teaching keyword outline mm-hmm. and we continue yes. through even the most advanced stuff. Yep. And of course, this is at the core of our teaching philosophy, yep. which is separate the complexity. Right. Separate. First, figure out what you're going to write. And that's the outline process, whether it's getting information from a source text or getting it from what you think about a story or a set of pictures or a subject, a random prompt. And then once you've got some ideas, then you can improve the organization of that Mm -hmm. as you write them. You don't have to do everything in exactly the same order that you first thought of it. But even more importantly, you can attend to the stylistic techniques and writing well. Right. So separating the complexity, that is – and when I talk to people, you know, I'm just about to head out on a fairly rigorous convention season here. Yes. (laughs) And, you know, sometimes people will, you know, just say, so in what way is what you do different than what anyone else does? Right. And and I usually will start with that idea of, you know, at the core – of everything we do is we try to separate complexity. Mm-hmm. And this, of course, appeals to almost everyone. Mm-hmm. Because they know that writing is hard. It appeals to people who write well mm-hmm. because they've discovered this. Mm-hmm. It appeals to people who never learned how to write because they they were overwhelmed mm-hmm. by that. Uh, they somehow managed to get through school, college, maybe even have advanced degrees, but they'll still stand there and say, I never really learned. Right. Uh, it appeals especially to um, parents who have um, kids that are really fast and they just whip it out, want to be done with it and run away. And you know they could do better if they could break it into smaller pieces. Mm-hmm. And then perhaps the people who are most immediately appreciative when they start to understand how we do this are the parents of kids who've struggled either yeah. because of uh, – uh, dyslexia or mm-hmm. language processing issue or maybe a mild autistic mm-hmm. uh, type of uh, challenge when it comes to language or even, you know, even general organization, you know, auditory mm-hmm. processing, ADD. Right. You know, we have piles <laughs> and piles of testimonials from parents like that right. who, who basically iterate back to us. You're so organized. Mm-hmm. It's step by step. Mm-hmm. It breaks it into small pieces. Mm-hmm. It separates complexity. Mm-hmm. Great. That's what we love to hear. Yeah. So now step four, you've done the keyword outlines. 
Step five is? Well, if you uh, just have one or two or three paragraphs, mm-hmm. you know, then you would just write those paragraphs from the keyword outline yep. using your style checklist, following the easy plus one. Exactly. Only add a new style technique when what you've taught so far has become easy. Mm-hmm. And if there's five paragraphs, then we would tr- probably try to break that into two chunks mm-hmm. and having the students write it from the inside out. Mm-hmm. Uh, This is a discipline that always serves them well later on in Unit 8 when things get a little more complicated and you're having to get into the world of citations and, you know, documentation and all that. So writing from the inside out. So uh, topic-based body paragraphs first. That's the first step. Okay, now add the conclusion. And oddly, it actually works best in almost every case. There are maybe a couple exceptions here. If you write the introduction last, mm-hmm. because now you really know what you're introducing. Right. You can uh, state the topics. You can, you know, if you want to try to have some kind of thesis statement that goes with your topics, you can you can do that. Uh, you can think of maybe a better attention getter device, all those things. So mm-hmm. I remember when I first kind of discovered this, um, I thought, wow, this is just about no one teaching this this way. Right. And yet when I observe the students, it almost always makes a better essay. Right. And they themselves will admit that too. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of fun. Well, and some of them are so young, they don't even know that there's a different way to do it. They start writing the body paragraphs yeah. first and the conclusion. Well, you and, you way. know, I was I, I had come across this kind of random how to write the perfect five-paragraph essay kind mm. of thing sure. on the internet. Sure. And I thought, well, I wonder what they do, mm-hmm. you know. It was being taught sequentially in that the first thing you have to do is think up an awesome thesis statement. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to create your introductory paragraph uh, and and you're going to come up with an awesome hook. And then you're going to have your thesis statement. And I thought, you know, my experience is that you're just opening a big can of worms there because you really don't have yet, at least the person following this instruction, doesn't really have a a sense of what they're going to do after that. Right. So kind of, I mean, I guess reversing the process mm-hmm. and saying, you know, here's the skeleton. This is what you're aiming for. Now let's start to add pieces to mm-hmm. it. Uh, it just works Uh, So much better for most all kids. Right. Well, for the last several years now, in March, we have announced our own IEW writing contest because it ties in so well with Unit 7. So can we now talk about our writing contest for this year, 2019? So this means we have to give away money. Is that what you're telling me? (laughs) I don't know why this makes you grumpy, Andrew. You're so happy and so generous when you see the results of our writing contest. Yes, it's true. It's it's always a delight. And uh, I would be the first person to say that uh, motivation, mm-hmm. you know, for kids is critical. And mm-hmm. in the TWSS, I think it's in Unit 7 where I talk a little bit about different ways to motivate right. kids. And mm-hmm. uh, when children are young – you know, it's all about, oh, let's make mama happy, you know, mm-hmm. and mama's very happy and the teacher is very happy and everybody's very happy. And then at a certain point, that audience just 
isn't as fulfilling as it needs to be to keep the child, you know, working hard, doing their best. Mm -hmm. So I'm very often promoting on my Facebook page, yep. and I think we do on the IEW page, yeah. mention different essay contests yes. that come up through the year, as well as, and I'll just put a plug in for our Magnum Opus magazine yes. here too, um, because that's an opportunity for kids to get published mm -hmm. by someone other than their home's refrigerator or the wall <laughs> at their school. Right. <laughs> uh, so having uh, opportunity for being published, mm -hmm. having essay contests, making it more um, public, more real to right. the to the big world. So here's our big writing contest. Andrew's going to announce the prompt in just a second. But if you're listening to this podcast and perhaps we're no longer taking submissions this year because you didn't get to this this episode until you know April or May, if you go to iew.com/writing-contest, you will see all the writing contests that we have found on the websites and pe friends of ours, HSLDA usually has a website, has a writing contest. And so we include them there. But of course, our writing contest is on this page as well. So go to IEW.com slash writing hyphen contest, and you will learn what this year's prompts are. And they are? It was tough. Yeah. It was tough to decide. Uh, a lot of good options and some not so good options. So we threw out the <laughs> not so good options and ended up I think with two that that are appropriate to mm -hmm. the age group. The the uh, level A, and this would be anyone up through what age grade? Uh, third to fifth grade is generally what we say. So anybody younger than twelve. So eleven. If you're eleven years old or, or younger, younger, you can do this prompt. Okay. And, and this is uh, what is one of your favorite books mm. and why? Mm. So. This, you know, immediately if you're following our system and you, if you ha have never even heard of our system, but you've listened to me for the past 15 minutes, you should be thinking, oh, okay, let's make a division. What are two or three things mm -hmm. about this book? Mm -hmm. Well, first you have to choose the book because that's Yes, you do have to choose the book. Mm -hmm. But a lot of kids, they can do that. Sure. Mine is Ping. Oh, <laughs> The story of Ping. Yes. Yes. And my reasons are... It's beautiful, and children relish it. Mm -hmm. Many happy memories associated with Ping for you. Yes, yes, although there are some problems with Ping too. <laughs> uh, anyway, I won't go into that. Uh, but uh, what uh, what is one of your favorite books and why? And uh, I like this prompt because we, of course, also want to promote a reading culture. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we have material that helps Parents do literature with mm -hmm. children. We mm -hmm. are constantly talking about the importance of reading to children. Yeah. And I might point out that there's no rule here that says, what is one of the favorite books you have read all by yourself? Right. And why? Right. What is one of your favorite books? Mm -hmm. uh, it is, I imagine, possible that there are 10-year-olds out there whose favorite book isn't one they read but perhaps one that they heard, right? You know, that Maybe. was read to them. Yep. So, also, I think you know, book can be uh, interpreted broadly. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I won't give any more suggestions nope. there, uh, <laughs> but there are many, many different types of books when you mm -hmm. think about it. Mm -hmm. So that's for the level A, 
and uh, the older kids, this would be 12 and up, mm -hmm. right? Right. So in our system, level B and C, so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, 12 and up, middle and upper school. This one, I think, is going to require a bit more reflection, mm -hmm. uh, and that is, what does it mean to you to show compassion to others? Mm. And uh, so maybe, you know, starting with the definition, you know, what, what does the word mean in the dictionary? How is it used? Mm -hmm. And then how does that translate into your world and your life? Right. And you, you would immediately think, oh, um, what would be three ways I could do that? Or what mm -hmm. would be one way I could do it and three impacts of that one way? Mm -hmm. So there's lots, of, there's lots of, of ways to approach the subject. There's lots of ways to approach the division. And of course, we are offering cash prizes. Yes. Before you talk about the prizes, though, I have to ask the question. Yes. How long are these supposed to be? Well, that is a good question, which you have the answer to. I do. So <laughs> the younger students, we'd like to see one to three paragraphs. One to three. Yes. Okay. For the older students, we'd like to see four to seven paragraphs. Okay. So it makes it, so if you're younger, one to three, older, four to seven, you can translate that into number of words, but we don't have to do that in our system. No. And, and of course, longer is not always better. Correct. Uh, something that is on the shorter end of that spectrum, mm -hmm. but has uh, greater impact, right. has more powerful vocabulary and style, mm -hmm. has uh, the elements of organization that make it easy to follow and attractive. Mm -hmm. Don't People shouldn't assume that if you want to win, you got to do the longest. Right. Exactly. Right. And we do get hundreds and hundreds of entries every year for our writing contest. We get hundreds and hundreds? Yes, we do. And it's very exciting. So anyone can enter this contest, whether you're an IEW student or not. I imagine the IEW students probably have a leg up. But we but who, who reads all these things? <laughs> well, that's another. <laughs> that's secret. We have judges. We do have judges. Yeah. The final. Okay. I will tell you this. We, we first of all, make sure that you follow the rules and did you answer the prompt? Right. Because that's important. Uh -huh. And those that we feel have answered the prompt, those are handled in-house by our customer service team. Mm -hmm. And then the finalists are shipped to our online instructors. At the lo at the various levels, and they're the ones that choose the winners. Okay, well, and there's some there there are some pretty sharp, discerning folks. Yes. So if someone says my favorite book is the menu at Chili's. <laughs> hey, if you spin that, that could be a fascinating <laughs> read. <laughs> okay, and prizes. You were you started oh, yes, to talk yes. about prizes. So our uh, this is for each group, right? Mm -hmm. The first the the first prize is a hundred dollars cash. Yes. For the student. Yes. And $100 gift certificate for the parent or teacher. Right. Uh, second prize, half that. Mm -hmm. Student and parent or teacher. Mm -hmm. And then third prize, half that. Right. 25 And that's where we stop. We don't do that half that's that again. That's where we stop. We, yeah. we, otherwise, we get down to 12 and a half cents if we keep going. Right, <laughs> right exactly. <laughs> One bit. <laughs> uh, and, and so that's at both the level A up mm -hmm. through 11 years old. And the level B, 12 and up. 12 and up, but we are going to cap it at 18. If you are 19, you're too old for this writing contest. <laughs> well, I guess 
your kids and my kids will be disappointed at that. They will be because <laughs> they're all too old. <laughs> and this writing contest does have an, a, a deadline. You have to have your paper submitted to IEW by the end of April. So end you, of April. Right. And after April... Our contest ends. There'll be other contests on our website that you can look at. Well, I think that's good timing because mm-hmm. April is showers, mm-hmm. and so everyone is inside working on their essays <laughs> while it's raining. Yes. And then May flowers, they're outside. We can only hope. We can hope. <laughs> so that's it. So go to IEW.com slash writing hyphen contest. You will see the rules of this contest and how to submit your paper because you are going to submit it electronically. Yeah. Is it okay if people share that link with their friends? Oh, please do. Yes, we'd like to have, hmm, I don't know. It might be a little overwhelming to have thousands of entries, but bring it on. We're ready. <laughs> it's very exciting. All right. Let's do it. All right. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, you can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Or just visit us each week at IEW.com slash podcasts. Until then, on behalf of Andrew Poudoir and the team at IEW, I thank you for the privilege of allowing us to partner with you on your journey toward better listening, speaking, reading, writing, and thinking. <laughs>